If you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. But before we begin in Ephesians, I just wanted to give you just uh, some quick little facts that maybe you, you might know, maybe you don't know. But do you know that the Bible is banned in at least 52 countries? Can you believe that? It's banned. And so there's different um, scenarios of why it's banned. There's because maybe um, most of the, the country might be um, Muslim. Or like in Asia, there's different parts where um, you can have the Bible, but there's certain guidelines to having the Bible. Um, the Gideons, everybody heard the Gideons if you're at a hotel, motel, holiday inn, right? Um, they have the Bibles there um, in, the, in the desk. They should be anyway. And so the Gideons, they have a list of these different countries where they're not able to operate. They're not able to, to go to and pass out these Bibles. And so that was just a, a quick, you know, fact to share with you that maybe you do know, you don't know. And um, maybe on the, on the uh, screen, you can write down these different countries to pr- pray over. And who knows what the, what the Lord can do. You know, I've heard of different people doing some crazy things and sneaking Bibles in there. Don't tell nobody, though, but some crazy stuff, right? Some, some Jesus freak stuff. And so um, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verses 11 through 16, and just kind of want to give you a quick background because we're just going to cover a few verses. And um, about, uh, let's see, about uh, the year was 53, about the year 53, Paul was first uh, ministering in Ephesus, but he didn't remain there according to Acts 18, verses 19 through 21. Two years later, while on his third uh, missionary journey, uh, Paul stayed in Ephesus for at least two years, and saw um, Ephesus be evangelized, according to Acts 19, 1 through 20. During these years, he founded a, a strong church. Um, they were, you know, pretty much rooted in the word he stood there. I believe this was the longest place that Paul had ever um, stood. Again, it was two years. And um, when Paul, whenever he would go in and visit somewhere, or whenever he would minister somewhere, he always wanted to check up on them. You know, maybe for you parents and your kids are in college or maybe they're um, married and they have kids, they have their own, you know, life, so to speak. You still want to call them up and say, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? And that's kind of like how, how Paul was. He was that type of guy where he would go and he would minister, but then if he was somewhere else, he was still thinking about that place of, of uh, believers where he had went and he ministered to. And so it was a nearly uh, 10 years later when Paul wrote um, to his beloved friends in Ephesus. Paul was a prisoner in Rome, according to Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and in um, this chapter, verse 4 and verse 1, and then in uh, chapter 6, verse 20. And he wanted to share um, with these believers the great truths of the Lord had taught him about um, Christ and the church. And for some of you out there who maybe want some historical background, if you compare Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 22, with Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, and Philemon, um, these three letters, you'll get a better understanding of the historical background. And so Warren Wiersbe kind of summed it up like this. He put, so the letter was written from Rome about the year A.D. 62, though Paul was on trial for his life. He was concerned about the spiritual needs of the churches he had founded, 
As an apostle, once sent with a commission, he had an obligation to teach them the word of God and speak to build them up in faith. That was a quote by Warren Wiersbe. Different people, you know, they, they break up the Bible and they have different outlines. Um, one guy, he outlined the, the letter to the Ephesians like this um, in three sections. Chapters 1 through 3 is our wealth as Christians. Chapters 4 through 5, our walk as Christians. And chapter 6, the warfare as Christians. So three W's, kind of, you, you know, you could write that down. Um, it helps me to remember it, you know, three W's. I can, I can remember that because I have a bad memory. So don't ask me, you know, how many kids I have or anything like that because sometimes I, I forget. Don't tell my wife. But um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, and the cunning craftness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body joined and knit together by, the, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself and love. And so, you know, I've been praying and, and asking the Lord, Lord, um, what's going on in the world? It almost seems like um, there's a, a fog or there's a cloud around um, our leaders here in the nation, like some scales are over um, people's eyes. Um, talk, you know, in, in the Bible, it talks about how um, the day would come where good would be evil and evil would be called good, right? And we see that right before our very eyes. Um, good is called evil and evil is called good. And I'm like, okay, Lord, so like, what, what do we do? And the Lord was ministering to me um, a few weeks ago when the homeschool um, um, program had their promotion, their promotion night. And the Lord was reminding me to passing the torch to the next generation. It's kind of funny because in the beginning, you know how it says right here that he gave some to be apostles. And um, at this point in um, the letter, he's talking about um, how to be a Christian. He talks about being, you know, united. And then he talks about spiritual gifts. We had some friends over last night and they're like, oh, what are you going to share? And so I started telling them, and then when I said evangelizing, right away they're like, oh, you're going to, you know, try to tell people to go to the jet ministry or, or whatnot. And I, I kind of got a kick out of it because um, I was almost tempted to, but that's not um, what the Lord was, was showing me. And it was more on the lines of, um, of verses 14. But before we get there, let's just uh, 
go over a couple of words in um, chapter 11 and chapter 12. Um, on the screen, you might see the different definitions. It says right here in chapter um, 4 and verse 11, it says, And he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so you might see up there the word um, apostle, what it means. You know, there's weird people out there in churches who would actually um, try to call themselves like an apostle with a capital A. You know what I'm saying? Where they would um, try to have this certain authority, maybe even over the Bible. And so when it comes to the apostles, um, the 12 apostles of Jesus, there were certain qualifications that uh, you had to meet in order to be a capital A apostle. And so one was that you had to see the risen Christ. You had to have a gift of miracles um, in operation um, in your life. And so none of us are old enough to have seen Jesus like face-to-face, right? It's over 2,000 years ago. Anybody 2,000 years old no right so just be careful when you might hear somebody on the tv or you might hear somebody um maybe you get invited to a church and they call themselves in that sense a capital a apostle and they start doing weird stuff but um if you see the definition up there it just says you know a delegate a messenger one who sent from the um, Order specifically applied uh, to the 12 apostles, Christian border sense applied, and then it gives some names to um, Barnabas and Timothy. And so then we see right here the word um, prophet. And even in this, you got it, we have to be careful. We have to be careful when this, um, when somebody is coming as uh, a prophet. Because if you guys remember in the Old Testament, what would happen to somebody who said that they got a message from the Lord and they were prophesying, but it didn't come true. They got stoned, right? And that doesn't mean they were getting high. It means that they got a rock and somebody, you know, hit them, hit them with a the, with the rock. And so be very careful on uh, what you're listening to, who you're listening to, when, um, when um, it comes to that. But then there are some who are legitimate, you know, from the Lord, and you test them with the Scripture. And I know of people who've um, said things, and, and I was kind of like, oh, all right. And, you know, you just kind of pray, and you're like, all right, what's going to happen? And then time, years go by, and then all of a sudden what somebody had, you know, dreamed about or, 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 or visioned or whatever it might be, they sense the Lord showing them. It came to pass, and it was nothing weird, you know. Um, It wasn't like, hey, I heard, you know, next year you're going to hit the lotto or whatever, you know, weird stuff. And people will say things like that. But um, there was one thing that that stood out to me, again, was in verse 14. I'm sorry, not verse 14. In chapter 11, we're still in verse uh, 11. There was one thing that that stood out to me. Did you guys know that this verse right here is what changed the ministry of Chuck Smith? Prior to him reading um, this verse, he was saying that because of the denomination that he was part of, he was constantly um, doing evangelism sermons. 
constantly. And he said he was on fire. He was dynamic. And every day, you know, he would give this repentance and you're going to burn in hell, you know, type sermon. And then when he read this, it changed. It changed his ministry. It changed it. And the reason why is because the whole thing for um, the pastors and the teachers isn't primarily to evangelize the world, but it's to edify the church, is to build up the church. And that's been his philosophy um, when it comes to teaching the Bible. And what an amazing fruit we've seen, right? I mean, some of you guys were hippies. Any hippies back in the days? Okay, we got some hippies right here, right? So your eyewitnesses, you've seen, you know, what God has done. We can talk to um, different pastors who were there, who got saved through that moment. I remember, um, I don't know if I should say it. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Somebody thought that a sister was in the hippie days, but she really wasn't. But I'm not going to say no names. And so we see right here that, you know, this is one of the verses that um, we still see the fruit of. And Paul's just writing this letter, and he's saying that, you know, the Lord has given us gifts, you know, the gifts of evangelism, you know, somebody who goes out and shares the good news. And it's cool when you see somebody who has that gift, like a Greg Glory, a D.L. Moody, um, a Billy Graham. You know, they just sneeze and somebody gets saved. It's really cool when you see that. But then, you know, when you see the teacher, you know, somebody who's just, you know, studying and, and they're teaching. And this is where it was really hitting home for me. It was really hitting home for me when it came to my kids, when it came to my children. And that's where the whole homeschool um, um, uh, program ceremony came into play. There was these two um, little girls I can't remember what grade in they're in. I want to say kindergarten going to first or for first going into second. And they were quoting scripture. I'm not talking about one verse, two verse. It felt like a whole chapter. It really did. It was amazing. Amazing that they were they were just by memory. And that's why I was encouraging you guys to bring your kids to VBS. I remember one guy said, one day, one day it's possible that here in the United States, they will take the Bibles away from us. And you're kind of like, ah. Oh. But then now you look now, and you're like, whoa. It's crazy, right? It's, it's very possible that that can happen. And I remember he was saying, he's all, so what I'm doing is I'm trying to memorize as much as I can. So even if they took the Bible away, I would know it by memory. And so every now and then, I should do it more, but every now and then when I'm sitting down with my kids and we're reading the Bible, sometimes I won't have the Bible out. And they'll say, Dad, well, where's the Bible? And I say, well, you know what? Let's try something. I'm going to try to remember a story in the Bible and um, if I mess up, then let's just go looking back in the Bible to see if I messed up, you know, because I want to practice as far as knowing just in case that time comes when or if they take the Bibles away from us. 
And the reason why is because this book has changed my life. And I'm pretty sure you guys can testify. This book has changed our lives. If you could think about how you would try to raise your kids before you knew the Bible, or how you would try to make a decision before reading the Bible. And I know we're not perfect, and, and we, we obviously make mistakes, but this book has changed our lives. And there's a reason, there's a reason why this book is banned in over 52 countries. If it's just a fairy tale, if it's just make-believe, then why isn't Cinderella banned? Or why isn't Snow White? Or why isn't fill in the fairy tale book? Why isn't that banned? It's because this book is different. It's different. And Paul, you know, when you read his, his, his letters, obviously they didn't have the New Testament, right? Because it's being written out. So where would he point them to? To the word, right? The Old Testament, because that's what they had. And the same thing is for, um, you think of, of, of Paul the Apostle, you know, these, these, these weren't his, his blood relatives. In one sense, you know, the Jews, he, he felt that they were, you know, his, his people. But your children, your grandchildren, the next generation, their brains are being filled with so much. I like technology. You can ask anybody who knows me. I like technology. Latest, whatever comes out, boom, I'm going to get it. And I hope that, and I try to use it for, for good, right? And, and I try to use it for, for ministry. But every now and then, you know, Maybe, you know, I'm just wasting time, wasting time on it. And just think of all the kids, all the kids. We're, we live in a generation where information is just being bombarded. We're being bombarded by so much information, so much information. And, you know, the same thing is in, in Paul's days when you read, when you read the, um, the letters to Corinth, and you do, you know, some background, those people, they, they were brilliant. They, they were smart people. It wasn't like, you know, um, you know they, were, they were ignorant in things of God, but they were smart, you know, and philosophy. And so Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, right? And even to this day, we see that there's, um, we're, we're kind of like in the same same place but just the technology has increased and we see right here that in verse um, 12 it goes on and says that the whole point of these gifts are for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ so for the building up and that's what a, a minister is to do a minister is to build up the people of God but again it it has to start first at home I, I would be ashamed, so ashamed, 
and I have to, um, uh, and the Lord's still doing a work, but so ashamed that if one day I went into heaven, or that day when I do go to heaven, and I stand there before the Lord, and all I did was, you know, teach the youth and serve in ministry, but I never taught my kids. That would be shameful. And so it's just been something that the Lord's been um, ministering to me because, you know, you watch the news, you talk to different people, you see the leaders of the nation, and, you know, you're like, well, what about this situation? Or what about that situation? What about that um, candidate? What about that bill? What about that, you know, so many different decisions and it almost seems like there's a, a cloud or a fog. And the only way we're going to be able to see and the only way we're going to be able to know what's right or wrong is through the Bible. That's the only way. And, you know, Paul is, you know, writing this letter. He's locked up. And... and um. Verse 14, he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil, do you remember what the devil, do you remember that point where the devil quoted scripture to, to Jesus? Do you think the devil and the demons know the Bible? Or do you think they're atheists? No, right? No way. They know that Bible. They probably know it left, right, up and down, in the Greek, in Spanish, and every language. They know it. And when you read the letters of Paul... There was different people amongst those he was ministering to who were eyes wide open with a plan to pollute the gospel. And believe it or not, it can happen here. Somebody can be in here and wanting to pollute the gospel message. It can happen anywhere. And the only way we're going to know what's right and what's wrong, what's truth and what's false, is if we're students of the word. That's the only way. You know, it's cool to call pastor's perspective and ask them what's their perspective on things. And it's cool to ask, um, you know, the pastors, you know, some things. But we have to sit down and spend time with the Lord and let him teach us. If you're going through the Bible um, in the year, we're in the book of Acts and um, in the New Testament. And there was this one um, time earlier in the book where it talks about that um, all the, the Pharisees, they were looking at, at the, the um, I think it was Peter and John, that they were looking at the disciples and they were like, these are uneducated men. But they, had, they knew that they had been spending time with Jesus. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like 
I'm un, uneducated. I feel like, man, I can't. I have to sit down and I need to read and, you know, have to learn and, and study. And maybe you might feel that way. But these guys in the book of Acts, they were just a whole bunch of nobodies. Your average Joes. And these Pharisees who were just brilliant in the scriptures, had knowledge, were like tripping out that how, how do they even know? How do they, how do they know these things? How are they able to do miracles? And it was because they were spending time with Jesus. And so um, these people who come in and, and they're trying to disrupt what God's doing, just be mindful of it. Just be mindful of it. And if maybe you have that, maybe you're here today and, and that's you. You're trying to, to, to cause some... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Opposite of unity? Discord. Um, instead of doing that, why don't you just give your life to the Lord, jump on board, and it's serve the Lord. You know? It's, it's pretty simple, but yet we know that there's a, a spiritual battle behind it. And especially when he talks about it in chapter 6 in Ephesians. But notice that this, uh, this word uh, trickery, it talks about gambling. Um, it talks about a fraud. And in the, in the metaphor, it's a dice um, playing the deception of men because dice players sometimes cheated and defrauded their own players. So these people want to defraud you. They want to defraud me when they come and they try to spread this ugly seed of Discord, or they try to um, plant this seed of of doubt, or whatever it might be. And Paul, right here in this letter, is um, in the, in this section, is he saying, you know, let's be um, united. Let's be united. And you guys seen ants, right? Somebody was telling me that they had ants on their wall, and I was kind of like grossed out. But I know that they got to eat, right? Ants got to eat. And especially when it gets hot, there's a lot of ants. And they roll deep. I mean, there's a lot of them, right? It's not just one. But when they, there's a reason why there's a lot of them, right? Because if there's just one ant, what are we going to do? And just smash it with that, our thumb. But if there's a whole bunch of them, then we're getting the raid and we're calling, you know, hey, I got ants or whatever, right? And so just for us, you know, being together and being united It'll blow you away. Just think about Paul, and we had some pictures of the, the maps of the different journeys that he had went through. This was one guy, you know, just going all over the place. Amazing. Amazing. And then you, you take a step back and you look like, wow, look what God has done throughout the years. And then you got a group in Cambodia, you got a group in Almani, you got a group in um, your daughter in, in Nepal. Amazing. God is doing a work. He's doing a work. But we, we just got to make sure and guard our own hearts and our families that we're spending time with the Lord. 
Because what does he say? He says right here, you're going to be tossed to and fro. How many of you like going to the beach? Anybody like going to the beach? I tried to go to the beach yesterday, but I guess it wasn't the Lord's will for me to go to the beach. It was crazy. So we're in the carpool lane, and we have two vehicles. My wife and, um, and Betty are in the other vehicle, and they get in a car accident. This is on the 605 between Slauson and the 5 freeway around 5 o'clock. So you know there's lots of lots of traffic. So thank God everybody was, wasn't hurt. They're even here today, you know, sitting down. But nobody was hurt. But I was tripping out on this. It's traffic, right? I was so tripping out on this, and I, I was like, Wow. Traffic stopped at a dead stop, like completely dead stop. You could look forward and the whole freeway is empty behind us or the rest of the traffic, and they're able to cross across the freeway to exit the freeway. Amazing. And I'm just like, man, God just parted the 605, you know? It was, it was crazy. I was just like... Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, everybody was fine. It was, I'm still trying to, like, grasp my mind. There wasn't, there wasn't even any damage to Craig and Betty's car. That was crazy. And somebody slammed into them, and they're going about 25, 30 miles per hour. No damage to the car. Well, I mean, a couple of scratches here and there, but nothing like you can't drive it anymore. And I'm just like, whoa. Why did I bring up that story? Oh, the beach. That's right. The beach. That's why I brought it up. Being tossed to and fro. So when you're at the beach, you ever been to the beach? And there you are. And I don't like going in the water. I really don't like that water. I like just being on the sand in front of a fire. I don't like going. The only water, if I could see through it, then I'll go in it. But around here, you can't see through any of the water. So um, when I was a kid, though, I used to go in there. And I remember I would just get like, tossed you know like nothing and water would go up my nose and I remember just flipping around and you know having a good old time thinking everything's cool but that's kind of like the illustration that Paul's giving here is that um, when you're not in the word when you're not spending time with the Lord that's what's going to happen to you and I if we don't do that we're going to get tossed back and forth and even we got to be careful like on how many people, you know, we listen to. And even, you know, um, I'm just sharing this with you. Everybody's different. Um, when it comes to studying the Bible, I only use about three, maybe four. I think it's about three guys, you know, to get their commentary after I wrote down the notes. Because then after that, you get, you know, seven, eight different, you know, people and their commentaries. And then all of a sudden, you're all over the place. And I'm like in the water again, being tossed to and fro. You know, and so that's why it's very important to to spend time with the Lord and be careful on um, on who you listen to and what you listen to. And it's cool, you know, just to be able to be part of a ministry. You know, we're blessed here. We're really blessed to be part of a ministry that does that just they we teach through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And obviously, today's a little different, right, because, you know, Manny's not here. But when Manny's here, 
that's what he's been doing. He's been going through this journey for, let's see, how long has he been here? 12 years now? 13 years? 14 years? So 14 years he's been going, you know, through this journey of reading and teaching through the Bible. So we're, we're blessed. We're really blessed. And um, Chuck Smith said this. He said, strong sheep won't be led away from their shepherd. A strong church emphasizes teaching the word so the people have a sound scriptural base to help them discern between true and false doctrine. And it's true. It's true. If you're in a place that teaches the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I trip out. Um, Henry was joking around. He's like, hey, today's communion, so you're going to have to talk like Chuck real fast because the Chuck tapes or the Chuck downloads now, I guess you say. There's no more tapes, right? So the Chuck downloads. They had to fast forward them when they were editing them because he would do too many pauses in between his sentences. And so for a while, if it was just played at normal speed, it would just be like a blank. You wouldn't hear anything, you know, because he's thinking about the next thing he's going to say. So they had a fast um, you know, they had to fast forward, you know, through them. But you think this guy went through the Bible, I think, like 10 times, if not more, with the congregation that he served at, you know, in, in Costa Mesa. That's crazy. And then you have other people who just keep teaching the same, you know, pet pee over and over and over and over and over and over. And it's just like this pet pee that they have. So it's very important that as us as Christians, that we spend time with the Lord, that we're reading the Bible. Because if we don't, it's guaranteed. I've seen it. And I've only been a Christian for, for 10 years. And there's people here, I'm sure you guys have been Christians longer. I'm sure you guys read the Bible. You probably read the Bible before I was even born. Can I get an Amen. Right? <laughs> you made me lose my track of thought. But um, you guys are older. You read the Bible more. It's very important to, to read the Bible. Because then you'll get tossed to and fro. And... You'll, no, now I remember. What ended up happening is as you're getting tossed to and fro, not only will it damage you, but it'll damage the people who are around you, starting in your home. It will damage your home, and then it'll damage those around you. And just think about it. All the people, all the people, and I could just, you know, again, just the 10 years that I've been here, all the different people I've seen who've been tossed to and fro. And I used to think, oh, that, that couldn't happen to them. Never to them. And then remember what Manny says, whenever you say that can never happen to you, you just pushed yourself in front of the line. And so I'm here in front of you guys saying, we have to guard ourselves. I have to guard myself. Because, it, I mean, just to see those kids, you, you, you know, the next generation, 
it's rare. It's rare to see kids reading the Bible and knowing the Bible. We're the outcasts. We're the, is it minority? We're the minority. And it's only going to get worse. But the good news is Jesus is coming. 